I'm going to try to do a siphoning strike deck with uh, Freljord and the Howling Abyss to buff all of the champions that Howling Abyss summons permanently because it's champions everywhere. I, I'm yeah. going to do that. Uh, it's going to be dumb <laughs> and it's going to be great. I'm going to love every second of it and then play scouts. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Casuals of Runeterra, episode 35. I'm your host, Ryan, here with your other host, Hedge. That's right. It's your boy. It's Hedge, conductor of the hype train. Let's go! <laughs> hype, hype, I honestly hype, wasn't hype, expecting hype. that. <laughs> I gave you no warning. I know. We're, but we're here. We're back, as usual, as expected, on time. Because these releases are rolling, man. We have no time to to relax. Absolutely no time to relax. And I can't be more thankful because that's just more fuel for the hype train. <laughs> Housekeeping up top. You can listen to us everywhere. Follow us on Twitter to keep up to date on episodes. That's the best place to follow us. That's at Podcast Core. And that's P-O-D. Why am I spelling it out? I... <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> All right, so podcast is spelled P O. That is podcast core, and core is C O R at gmail.com. That's also where we're at on Twitter. I'll save you from yourself, Ryan. So please leave a like, follow, and comment. Listen, it's been a long day, but I got this. Leave a like, leave a follow. Short review comment and tell a friend to grab a book and remember the true history with the Casuals of Runeterra podcast. Uh, let's get into it. State of the game. I like the um, cheese. I am still playing that Noxus deck, the Noxus Overwhelm deck, uh, with the emphasis on Tribeam Improbulator. Uh, that card is slept on. No one expects you to have it, and they always lose because of it. So <laughs> I'm going to keep pushing that deck um, since we don't have much time. I, what is it, March 2nd or March 3rd? Is it March 3rd? Uh, I want to say 3rd. Yeah. Yeah. The new set's coming out soon, so I need to get these get this grind in uh, before I get busy again. But I, I like this deck, man. It's, it's, it's almost like the perfect blend of aggro and tempo uh, for me. It's, it's tempo player's wet dream, as I told Hetch. Uh, so okay. why stop here? Well, never, never stop. Don't stop. <laughs> uh, yeah, they. I I have been um, back on my old crap, uh, but <laughs> I will say just to you know give a little taste of something new is a big reason of it is that uh, like the last ba- baby pet project of mine was doing uh, Tarek Zed. Uh, with flurry of fists to try to give Tarek first strike or quick strike and Zed double strike, um, and with a you know the, all the little Targon tools to give mm-hmm. Zed overwhelm, uh, I I won maybe one game. It was really <laughs> sad, uh, so I went to scouts and I have a problem. Someone send <laughs> help. <laughs> So that takes us into the main topic here, and that's what I have on that sheet is wrong, because we're at Aunt Susan's library. 
Shut up. We're going on a trip. <laughs> <laughs> I hate it here. Um, yeah, so if you guys don't know, Susan is Nasus. <laughs> so Nasus, we're talking about him. Obviously, you could have figured that out once we did the Renekton episode. And there's a lot here. And once again, they nailed the card. We're going to talk about that as well. But as first, as always, we talk about a spell. So what, what yeah. spell you got for us? All Hitch? right. So, okay. This is a no-brainer as far mm. as the going in with the spell. We're going to be looking at Siphoning Strike. All right. So this is a five-mana slow-speed spell yeah. uh, that an ally strikes a unit. If it dies, grant allied champions everywhere plus two plus two. Um, so without really diving into like the idea of like how this card is going to work, theory crafting, um, at, back in the day when I played League of Legends, uh, the group that I played with the most made me the AD carry. As an AD carry, I still have nightmares of the sound of Gnosis's siphoning strike. <laughs> All right. I I can hear that cue in my dreams and I still have visions of watching my Ezreal's HP bar go from a hundred to a gray screen in one single <laughs> thunk. It's the horrifying so of course I'm going to talk about this spell because it haunts me um, but that aside uh, if we're looking at it from like the gameplay idea it i i'm looking forward to seeing how this is gonna work kind of like how with um like the last like the last little batch of cards we got in noxus they had uh wild claws which was a five yeah. mana slow speed strike spell but if it's an overwhelm ally the bonus damage goes through to the nexus um which Honestly, I, I'm not going to lie to you. I have not seen that card played even once. But, <laughs> like, it is, like, just from, like, a design point of view, like, it's kind of a cool idea to give strikes a little bit more flexibility mm -hmm. um, at the cost of the speed and mana. But I know if we're looking at just speed and mana, five mana slow speed is kind of, like, just not a good payoff. But... Um, I know for a fact that I'm going to try to do a Siphoning Strike deck with uh, Freljord and the Howling Abyss to buff all of the champions that Howling Abyss summons permanently because it's champions everywhere. I, I'm yeah. going to do that. Uh, it's going to be dumb, <laughs> and it's going to be great. I'm going to love every second of it and then play Scouts. <laughs> <laughs> Siphoning Strike is a cool card. The you know the buff everywhere is a concept that obviously you see in like Frail Yord um, or places where it's buff your deck so that every subsequent play is more strong. Right, you're essentially pushing you, you're pushing your your deck along with the tempo. So that's it's a cool card. We'll see how it plays because it is at five. If there's a way to cheat it out, maybe at some point that could be cool. Uh, we'll see what people come up with. Yeah, like the the cheating out, I think that's really going to be like where we're going to see this deck, uh, that card either rise or fall. But um, you get, if you haven't watched the Gnosis the reveal trailer, uh, they use the spell in it, and it's the same sound. 
shoot, a, shoot us an email or hit us up on Twitter if you have the same nightmares as me. We'll start a support group. Um, it reminds me of like the dog dying sound in WoW in World of Warcraft. <laughs> it's it's the most depressing thing anytime you kill a wolf or anything. Doesn't matter how big the wolf is or how dangerous it is. They use the same like whimpering dog death sound and it is disgusting and it's not fair um, it but, makes you regret like, i know right fighting they know what they're doing so moving forward to the follower here what you All got right. so as for the follower i th- again this is another like no-brainer because i think everyone got excited yeah. uh, looking at this card the ramp oh, we're talking about get excited <laughs> how dare you how dare you how dare you say that uh so we're gonna look at the rampaging bakai um bakai. so already this card is going to just be fun because it's a lot of fun to say like yeah. rampaging bakai it reminds me of a uh, bleach when they would say bon kai <laughs> oh no it's like the coolest thing oh no i'm gonna younger. i'm gonna do that every time i play this card. <laughs> i'm just gonna like hover my hand over my mouse ba um it does sound like that uh but the card itself uh five mana four six with overwhelm uh and on the play if you've slain four plus units this game an enemy and i strike each other um so i know someone way smarter at this game than me uh you know swim stream uh, so Swim had a nice little rant, not only off of Rampaging Bakai, but with um, some of the other revealed cards. To mm-hmm. uh, I'll leave it vague to not date this episode. Um, so one of the things that is a weakness of a lot of Overwhelm decks right now is when you're going into that four mana and five mana slots. Mm-hmm. And like Rampaging Bakai, five mana Overwhelm. Like, that's already, like, this is a good sign uh, as far as if you're an Overwhelm player or if you're looking at trying to play, like, Sharima Overwhelm, looking yeah. at cards like Renekton. Um, the other thing that's really nice with this is, uh, I, I'm i going to hate myself for doing this, but you, you're the you're the co-host here, Ryan. I have to respect you. Uh, yeah. The Rampaging Bakai's got a dumpy. You know, <laughs> big old dumpy. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to go to the church and repent. Um, yeah, but he's got rampaging Bakai's got a big old dumpy. Like four six stat line is yeah. exactly what you want to see, especially if you have the met the conditions to have it strike another unit. Yeah, because then that's a five mana kill spell with a body. Yep. That's that's great. Like I, this, this card is, I think, is going to be seeing a lot of play, especially at the beginning. But I think it's it's going to be one of the ones that actually survives that initial hype phase. Yeah. One additional note is that the the actual Bakai Rampage is a spell that's created by Raging Bakai, so it can be responded to on the stack. Right. That's also a an important fact there. Yes. Uh, uh, for balance purposes. Yes, and uh, I also like that with these. Um, because it's this isn't the only card that has that they've shown that has, um, like showing an independent card to go on the stack, mm-hmm. but the but all the cards that they've done that with they have mana costs attached to them too, uh, which yeah. is that's going to be a nice quality of life change for new people coming in. So that way you have an idea of when cards like Nopify yep. are going to be it's a great point, you know, something that you have to be afraid of or not. 
So and the Bakai Rampage skill when it enters the stack is going to be zero mana. So this yeah. is something that Nopify can affect. Yep. It's a very good point. So let's get into it. Let's get into the, the story of Susan. So if you haven't listened to our last episode, how dare you? <laughs> Who do you think you are? All right. Go uh, listen to the Renekton episode. Yeah. But what he means is thank you for listening. Uh, we, <laughs> we really do appreciate you, like, you know, giving a portion of your time to listen to us. Do you know who I but, am? My dad owns a dealership. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so go listen to the Neck Boy episode. There's a lot there that we do talk about, Susan. And also, um, he his story, ironically, has uh, less info at the cliff, cliffhanger at the end here uh, because it does pick up in Renekton's where it talks more about it. We'll get there, and, and I'll mention it. So there'll be some references back and forth as we go through it. So to start off, uh, Susan's a brilliant guy, right? A brilliant young man uh, where we know Renekton was more the brawn of the family, and he's a great student. So he, at the beginning of his education, he focuses on uh, Sh- like Shuriman history and philosophy. And his third thing was looking out for his brother as well. And, and a key point that we did make in our previous episode, if you haven't listened to it, just in case, uh, both Renekton and Gnosis at this point are humans. Oh, yes. They're, they're both. So Gnosis is a g- very gifted and smart young human. <laughs> human. <laughs> so, and Renekton is a very strong and brutal human. Human. <laughs> Um, but it doesn't go to prison, which is good. Uh, so Nasus later, after you know general studies, attends the prestigious school of the Collegium of the Sun, which is really on the nose there about how prestigious that school is. <laughs> and he studies with the best teachers, obviously, to develop a strong knowledge of military strategy and logistics, which is kind of a turn for him. And there's some overlap on why both these points are important a little bit later on. But then he becomes, naturally, the youngest general in history because of his gifts and learning and how smart he is. Combined with what he studies in this college, that's where he ends up. And the the key thing here is, you know, NASA's in this role. He's not the brawn. He's the brains, right? Like, he formulates the plans to win. And he doesn't really take pride in the whole concept of war, like you would expect a general to, because he understands it's necessity for the current time they are, uh, but he also wants there to be value instead of just winning, you know, cities or land and stuff like that, and, and the spoils of war, kind of per se. So one thing he focuses on is, you know, he focuses on the ensuring the soldiers that are participating are fed properly, they're paid properly, they're treated well, and part of that is him later bringing his brother in. As one of the youngest soldiers, because I mean, actually, actually, he's not even yet because he's not even of age when he's brought into the military. He's actually like it's it's clout being pushed to get him out of the streets and into somewhere where he can be productive. And again, not go to prison and not go to prison. <laughs> so Renekton in this position also excels, right, uh, with with military uh, brawn here. But the we go back to, you know, Susan's beliefs where he does believe the most valuable thing out of these conflicts is the knowledge that's sought after here. So you win these wars, these, you know, these towns and cities that they're sacking have, you know, text and scrolls and books and teachings that he wants to put in libraries to uphold for, you know, generations to learn. That's, you know, always got to remember your history so you're not doomed to repeat it, right? Smart, smart approach. So after a few decades, 
of him serving, you know, multiple wins, the 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 empire grows. Uh Nasus gets this incurable degenerative disease, which essentially makes him turns him into uh, a sack of bones, uh, for lack of better terms. And the 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 emperor himself begs uh we get a name here, Sitaka, who's the ascendant host for Nasus to be able to be judged by the sun disc. Uh and this allows this is allowed. And Nasus, but Nasus would have to ascend the steps himself in his debilitated state. And this is where he's at the end of his days. Like, I think they give him like a week to live, essentially. Yeah. So he's ascending the steps and then he collapses. And everybody's like, oh, no, this is not good. But Renekton, without, you know, thinking twice, runs up the steps, picks up his brother and carries him to the final the final steps to this under the sun disc to be judged. And if you guys don't know, you know, we mentioned this in our last episode, you you have to be worthy of even being judged. So if it's not pre-planned and thought out and if like the, you know, the the wise men aren't like, yeah, this is a good idea, you will be destroyed the moment yeah, you if, step up there. If you do not have a reservation, <laughs> you will not receive a table. Like that's just common sense. Uh, and Renekton still entered the building with Nasus despite not having a reservation. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but self-sacrifice is a thing that's very common in these type of stories. So. Yes. When he steps in, he's not destroyed. Instead, you have two beings standing before the people. One's a giant crocodile. The other one's a giant jackal um, of knowledge and wisdom and cunning. Yeah. Uh, and, and these forms reflect like who these people were as humans. It reflects their personalities. So the the jackal being like one of the most uh, powerful of the of the ascended deities as in the sense of both power and cunning, whereas a crocodile is just like the fiercest of creatures known yep. to Sharima. So they, you know, they, it's like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. We see it. We see it. <laughs> we connected dots. Um, so these other parts I'm going to go through briefly, because this is a long story and it overlaps a lot with Renekton's story. So go listen to that episode to get more details. So Renekton here starts to descend more into his core barbaric state as this crocodile deity where Nasus is kind of doing his own thing, gaining knowledge, um, continuing his quest for preserving that knowledge. But one thing happens that they don't expect, which is the arrival of Zareth. So Zareth we'll talk about in a Zareth episode at some point, but he's a destructive being of pure energy. Uh, they don't really know at this point how he ascended. They don't really know what allowed this to happen, but they have to deal with him. Um, had you had some say? Uh, yeah, like the the only things that they know is that there's this being of power, just pure energy, and that the sun disk has been destroyed. So, yep. like, there it's like what what happened here? <laughs> uh, and but there's no time to get any of these answers because lightning bolt, <laughs> <laughs> lightning bolt. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the results of this is Zareth is pushed in or yeah focused into a tomb. And by Renekton, and Renekton's like, hey, Nasus, just lock us both in here. Nasus's like, I don't want to do that. You're already not in a good place mentally, et cetera, et cetera. But he does it anyways for the betterment of Shurima. But unfortunately, once he locks that tomb, he looks back and everything is destroyed, right? This event left the sun disdrained, which means the uh, eternal waters 
are there to supply to the people and Sharima's in ruin, ruin and this just continues uh, for a while and Nasus becomes dejected and he leaves and kind of just wanders the desert for a while, uh, forgetting what his path is and forget, like trying to seek purpose again. And this is for centuries. Like remember, these are ascended beings, beings right? So they their sense of time is a lot different. Um, but there is one point where humans come across the tomb, which in other stories, we'll talk about that at some point, and they reopen it. And that frees Zareth to come out and start wreaking havoc again. I'm a fire and my laser kind of situation. <laughs> <laughs> so he comes out and Nasus knows that, oh, no, I have to go do something. I have nothing else to do. I have no purpose anymore. I might as well go deal with the problem again. And when he gets there, he notices Prince, or uh, sorry, Emperor Azir has ascended. And he's like, wait a minute. That's not right. And then the sun disk is renewed. It's like, wait, That's what? That's not right either. That's not right either. <laughs> but, you know, Nasus is, a, like, at this point, he has so much experience that it's not so much shock versus just unexpected. But he immediately jumps into action. He's like, okay, cool. We're going to deal with this problem. I'm going to guide Emperor Azir as a newly ascended being and kind of teach him what I've learned. Uh, and put him like put him back on his path, so he reconnects with his with his with his uh, goal here, and he does all this in the hopes of you know if Zareth is back out, hopefully my brother will come back out, and you know this is a weird cliffhanger because in our previous episode we talked about what happens when his brother comes back out. Yeah, and, and but like it, it it really does just kind of reflect on Susan's like personality and mm -hmm. his sense of duty because. Like even though it's like, hey, Azir's ascended, that's not right, and the sun disk <laughs> is here, that's also not right. Yeah, his a reaction immediately after that is like, all right, I got work to do. Like, he's, <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's a very driven individual, and despite all of these uh, these hardships that ended up falling upon him, at the end of the Shariman Empire, he was just he knew that it was time to get back to work. Yep. Um, so it, but yeah, it's we're everyone knows with both of the cliffhanger from Renekton and the cliffhanger yeah. from Gnosis that, you know, we're, we're going to be talking about Azir yeah. and figuring out like more of these details of like, um, what, excuse me, Sundisk, where, where, <laughs> where did this come from? And trying to, and hopefully from there, like, you know, putting some of the pieces together of like, why is Zara throwing lightning bolts everywhere? Like it's, uh, Already, just like it's good storytelling, just because it just leaves you looking at it, going, "What's? I need more. I need. Yeah. I don't need sleep. I need answers." And and one thing to keep in mind with how they release right for uh, Legends of Runeterra is that we're getting this first set, but there are going to be other sets inside of Shirima. So we're going to get the story as we move along naturally, because it, it's it's a very important part to the overall lore of uh, Runeterra. So. So let's let's talk about the card as we always do, which you know, uh, no surprise here because we talked about it in Renekton's episode. But three level ups here yeah, again. It, he levels up, and it still says level up. <laughs> oh boy! Oh boy! Oh so boy! So Nasus is ascended type, and he's a six cost two two. So you know something's wrong. So <laughs> he also has fearsome and he has, I have plus one, plus one for each unit you've slain this game. So I don't know if you guys have played the game, um, but a lot of units die. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
and if you haven't played the game, there are some decks that are built solely around making sure units die. <laughs> so yeah. that's that's something that you could work with. Yeah, I think I could buff him up from a 2-2. Two, two. <laughs> yeah, I can do this. I can do this. And it fits very well uh, for people who haven't played uh, Legends of, uh, League of Legends where that's what Nasus does is he farms minions, gets buff, and then punches you in the chest. That's kind of that's kind of his whole ordeal, and then haunts your dreams. Yes, and then I, haunts your dreams. Yes, this is this is on this is on brand for Nasus. Yeah. Uh, so again, Riot really just kind of hold pay, tipping a nice hat to League of Legends. So, uh, yeah. but let's let's go with this level up. All right. So oh gosh, what, yeah. what's his first level up going to be? So when I strike for uh -huh. ten plus damage, so. Can you kill eight units by turn six? Oh, yeah. probably. Yeah. <laughs> probably. <laughs> and and the thing about striking, too, is he doesn't have to deal that. Like, you can strike something and not hit the nexus and still deal that much damage, right? That's how the game works. So you get the level up, and he turns into – he gets a plus one, plus one from his level up. He still has the same ability where he gets more Plus one, plus one from slain enemies. But now enemies have minus one, minus zero. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if anybody remembers the spider uh, in the lease package that will give you minus one. Uh, but it's not fun, right? It's not fun to be forced to be behind. Yeah. Uh, especially when it's a fearsome unit doing this. Yeah. So then the, you, these three attack units that you were counting on to be chump blockers suddenly can't be chump blockers anymore. Um, oh no. <laughs> and this is also like, this is unlike that spider. This is not an effect that happens off of the play. It's eternal. This just is stuck to Gnosis. <laughs> oh, oh and then boy. The level up here is similar to Renekton's where in order to level up the third time you get, or the second time you get, it's you've restored the sun disc. So you have to have the sun disc. You restore it, and then he turns into a massive 10-10 uh, statted creature, or plus, I guess, plus seven here. Um, plus, you still get the bonuses from slaying stuff. He still has fearsome, and enemies have minus three, minus zero, which Just means stuck you win. to the body. Yeah, <laughs> which you means let that you happen, yeah. you lost. You're not supposed yeah. to let this um, happen. That's the point. And, and I... Uh, and we also neglected to point out that, like, with after the first level up, so both level two and level three, mm -hmm. ha he has spell shield. Yeah. So it's not even like, oh, I've saved this kill spell for Gnosis. Uh, if if he flips the one time, you have to save two answers for Gnosis because <laughs> he has spell shield. It's oh boy, <laughs> it's pretty ridiculous. Um, yeah, this card's gonna see play. People are gonna have fun with it. It's 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 fun because. It, once again, you get the three level ups. People are going to try to do it, and it gives it gives people the goal of trying to do the impossible within reason, right? Because yeah. they're going to try to figure out ways to cheat their way through the deck, right? Um, or the deck archetypes that use Susan. So I don't know. I'm excited. I just want the set to come out. It's right around the corner. Uh, it's coming out during a week where I'm going to be very busy, which is unfortunate, but... Yay. That weekend, I'm gonna be a vegetable. I'm gonna be playing yeah. this game. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, and not not to mention too that um, like the even with people trying to like play around and find ways to try to to cheat this out, you know, traditional card game stuff. <laughs> a big thing to point out is that um, everyone is already putting together the synergies that Gnosis is gonna have with yep. uh, with 
regions like Shadow Isles. Mm -hmm. um, and if you do that, if you play towards those synergies, mm -hmm. you're not going to get the level three ascended form. Yeah. Um, because the sun disc has that that clause in it that says if all of your cards are shereman yeah um so i i th that is like now getting to see like the gnosis and just how absolutely gut-wrenchingly terrifying he could be yeah um it, it's like okay i i feel a lot better about this whole sun disc clause yeah. because that's you're gonna have to you're gonna have if, to work for it it feels like it's meant for us right the more casual players to have fun and play with things to do that it feels like more of something that's there for a wink and a nod at hey you want how about another level up for you casual players that are gonna try to have more fun yeah if they're not gonna give me alternate win conditions i'll <laughs> take this uh, oh man so look forward to hatch playing all the shereman decks because <laughs> i'm i'm getting the sun disc baby and then you're going back to scouts. And it was and then three weeks Crawling of scouts back. in a row. <laughs> Just so mis this takes misfortune us, save me. Yeah. So this takes us to our question of the day, as always. Question slash challenge. It could be either one for Hatch here. Oh boy. Um, and we're talking about Aunt Susan's library. So, what is your favorite book or series of books? Oh, and I know the answer boy. to this. Oh, I don't think boy. they do. I don't know. I actually don't know if oh. you know the answer. Oh, let's uh, see. Let's see. I'll be honest if I do or not, but I'll go first as always. So currently, I'm really liking The King's Dark Tidings. It's good, but it's not my favorite. Like, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be honest with myself. It's very good. You all should check it out if you're into fantasy books. Um, but I, I can't help but say the Forgotten Realms Legend of Drift series. It's just... That series of books for me has been very impactful to from when they came out to the age I am now um, on my views on fantasy, on my, you know, my hobbies involving that kind of stuff. Anything I look at lore wise, I always compare to it. The character of Drist is, you know, you can't help but like him. Um, the journey that they were able to drag out how many years, you know, there's a formula there, but even with the formula, it's still a good time and you actually get to connect with those characters. So as somebody who grew up with the books, uh, it's a very important series to me. So I, I have to go with that one. Yeah, I, I saw that coming. <laughs> <laughs> um, but luckily, the way that you answered it opened the door to where you can we can both be right. Because yeah. currently, yeah. Uh, it is the... Dresden Files by Jim Butcher. Yeah. Um, that no spoilers. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's like <laughs> it's so good. It, it is so. It is such a like a, a very fun and unique take as far as writing essentially a site essentially dark fantasy, dark fantasy but yeah. like in uh, in almost sci-fi-ish because mm -hmm. like it does take place in modern day Chicago. Um, so it's like if you want to read something that's a little bit darker and still have like a you know magic fun uh with all of your favorite magic tropes that are yeah. just reworked to be a little bit more intuitive and great reads um but like fireballs as, like yeah good if, fireball. but if i have to go with like you know just my all-time favorite book series uh it is going to be the magic kingdom for sale sold series by terry brooks um okay. i didn't get it but we have talked about this yeah I, um, I i made it halfway through that book but not for the reason of what, not liking it i got distracted by something else go back 
go back and do this. I will. I will. That series is incredible. Um, yeah. It is. But uh, the, that one is a following a lawyer, um, again, like, you know, a real world lawyer whose pregnant wife is struck by a is struck by a car and killed. And in his depression, he sees an ad of Magic Kingdom for sale for a million dollars. So he buys it, and it turns out that the Magic Kingdom is real. And not only is it real, but it's failing. Uh, (laughs) So, like, the the court wizard has turned himself into a dog by accident. Yeah. Uh, It's it's so good. Like, it's so funny and ridiculous with a great fantasy story on top of how funny and ridiculous it is. Yeah. And it was probably my favorite. I always connect to that whenever there's something a little more lighthearted I'm reading. I, I inevitably compare it to Magic Kingdom. It's definitely one of those books that I expect at some point to make it make make its way onto a Netflix or something like that. Okay, as like a one off because it's so. I will. I can vent about that yeah. for like an hour, and that's not what the <laughs> show is. Um, because we what we got from Terry Brooks was an attempt to make the Elfstones. Um, yeah. I I love the Shannara series. The yeah. Elfstones is by far the most boring book I have ever read in my life. And that is what they chose to make a yeah. series off of. And then, of course, it was like, let's make it a movie. We'll hire Peter Jackson. Terry Brooks says, I will sue you if you hire Peter Jackson <laughs> to try to recreate the way that I have magic imagined in my books. So then it went to an MTV series. Kill me. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Never, yeah. Mind. never mind. I'll never forget when those trailers came out. I was like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> the music television network. <laughs> I, uh, yeah. it's just, no, no, no. I, I, I can't. I can't be casual about that topic. <laughs> so with that. <laughs> That's the end of our episode. Thank you. So thanks for listening as always. And we'll be back soon with the next episode. Yeah. Take care, everybody.